I'm AC. Join me to slow down and tune in with the depths of the soul, crafting new rhythms to help us move through the messiness of life and faith. Episode 2. How Curiosity Shifts Spiritual Formation I was never really taught in church or in Bible studies to be curious about what was happening inside. Instead, in faith communities, alongside messages of grace and forgiveness, I often learned to be judgmental and critical of myself for ways that I would miss the mark. Maybe your experience was different from mine. Maybe it feels similar. Wherever your starting point is, we're going to slow down here for a few minutes to consider what kind of difference it makes when we anchor ourselves in curiosity as we explore spiritual formation. Before we dive in, I invite you to pause and take a deep breath. You might be listening to this at double speed or while you're multitasking with 17 other things. Wherever you are, seriously, take a nice, deep breath. Maybe even place your hand over your heart and let out a few heavy sighs or yawns. From what I can remember, I was never explicitly encouraged to be curious in life until I was in grad school for counseling. As my professors were teaching me to be curious in my work with others, I started to pick up on the ways my spiritual director and therapist were inviting me to be curious in our sessions together. I noticed this was so far off from what I knew, so far from how I was used to approaching myself. Instead of being curious about what was happening inside, for most of my life, I had normally been critical and judgmental, especially when it came to spiritual formation. Based on what I had learned about the spiritual disciplines I should be practicing, the theology I should hold to, and general do's and don'ts of how my life should look as a Christian, it was way too easy to have an inner critic take on the role of an inner Pharisee, looking down on and judging every time I would step out of line in some way. Whether I was filled with anger at a driver cutting me off, resenting a friend for something that really hurt me, impatient with a loved one, or not so gentle in how I handled something. These were not things that I would be curious about. Instead, I would shame myself and turn to spiritual disciplines that seemed to help in the moment, but didn't seem to stick when I most needed them. It seemed pretty clear. The problem was me, or some part of me, And the solution was to somehow get rid of an unhelpful behavior. There was no curiosity in this equation. The real problem, though, was that over time, I saw this equation wasn't adding up. Enter curiosity, and things started to shift. The ways that starting with curiosity changed my entire perspective was not an easy shift for me. It felt disorienting, to say the least. Without realizing it, the muscle memory that my brain and body knew would jump to judging myself, getting frustrated with myself, or even shaming myself before my thinking brain would realize what was going on. And because this was so normal to me, I wouldn't really catch it while it was happening or even afterward. 
looking back, I actually think I thought this was constructive at the time, that it would help me stay in the lines with all the shoulds of faith that I didn't want to step outside of. All of these automatic reactions were never slowed down enough for me to think about whether or not the patterns I was stuck in were helping me or hurting me. And this leads to the first thing I want to highlight about how curiosity is so helpful in our spiritual formation. It slows things down. When we're curious, we create space to be mindful and present rather than reactive or on autopilot. When we're curious, it cultivates an intentional awareness rather than staying stuck in assumptions we might not even realize we're stuck in. And once curiosity slows us down, the space it creates allows us to look at things from different perspectives. This is what was pretty disorienting for me when I started to try on this whole curiosity thing. When I was in seminary, my spiritual director started to incorporate something called parts work into our times together. Early on, a frequent theme for me was to realize I was frustrated with a part of me or even disliked a part of me that I thought was creating problems. And in the same way others had tried to shame me into getting it together, I brought the same posture to my own self. Once I started to slow down in curiosity, I was surprised to realize just how much I was used to criticizing myself, shaming myself, pretty harshly. Once I could hold some of that self-judgment at bay, I started to see these parts of me that I didn't like in new ways. The biggest thing that shifted was with parts of me that I thought were being stubborn and uncooperative in spiritual disciplines. Slowing down and getting curious helped me see that these parts of me weren't being defiant. They were actually exhausted and overwhelmed. Previously, when I was in my early 20s, I worked in campus ministry and went through major trauma and loss. It was a time in my life when I was swimming and trying to be a professional Christian and also trying to make it through circumstances and pain that were nearly drowning me. In the midst of this, my nervous system was activated on overdrive. We'll reach back for a moment to that neuroception thing we talked about in episode one. The brain embodies 24-7 scanner to assess if we're safe. Physically, emotionally, relationally, or otherwise. Scanning to decide at a gut level whether or not we're okay. Whether or not we're going to be okay. When we walk through pain, trauma, loss, really anything that causes us to wonder at a gut level if we're going to be okay, it will activate our autonomic nervous system, all beneath the logic or reason of our thinking brains. And when circumstances that activate our nervous system into a stress state persist, our bodies learn to live in a muscle memory of that activation. It becomes as normal as breathing oxygen. And it's too vulnerable to have this pattern just stop. 
Because if our brain and body has genuinely had to wonder if we're safe, if we're going to be okay, this will inform a hypervigilant neuroception that doesn't really trust the world around us or gets very quickly overwhelmed by the world around us. For me, under the stress of those years in ministry that coincided with deep wounds, I walked around with an overly activated nervous system. And in those years, I often got frustrated with the parts of me that seemed so reactive, so filled with anxiety, that I had a hard time resting in God's peace. Really, I saw these parts of me as not trusting God and complicating my life. And eventually, when the activation of that constant stress went on longer than my brain and body could really sustain, my system started to fold into a fatigue, a weariness that was heavy and overwhelming. And in that place, I started to get frustrated with the parts of me that couldn't seem to get going, that seemed ambivalent or numb, like roadblocks to engaging spiritually. I saw these parts of me as a bad Christian or at risk for drifting away from community and faith. Now, when I was initially experiencing these things, I really had no categories for them. At that point, I hadn't become a counselor. I hadn't started working with nervous system regulation, parts work. And even without having clinical categories to understand what was going on inside, these parts of me lived on internally and would be linked at a gut level with activation of stress in my body or my body shutting down in overwhelm. I didn't have words for these things. I just felt stuck in them. And I was frustrated with myself for the ways that I felt stuck. I viewed myself as the problem. Apart from curiosity, I was confused and frustrated with the parts of me that seemed uncooperative and stubborn. I saw them as obstacles in the way of where I wanted to be spiritually. Apart from curiosity, I saw these parts of me as my own worst enemies, as working against me. It was only after curiosity entered the picture that things started to shift. I started to see how wounds from past pain had left scar tissue and fatigue in the depths of my soul. I started to see how what I had mistaken for being stubborn was actually a sense of overwhelm and burnout and a deep need for a rest instead of trying to force myself to perform or produce spiritually. What I had first seen as parts of me being uncooperative and working against me, I started to see as the depths of my soul crying out in need of some breathing room, in need of God's compassion and care in need of the rest described in Psalm 23 and that Christ invites us into. So long as curiosity was not a piece of the equation, I kept going round and round in circles, judging and criticizing myself, even if I would have never spoken that out loud. And the more I ramped up in frustration toward myself, the more the exhausted, overwhelmed, and shut down parts of me guarded themselves in layers of self-protection, feeding a vicious cycle I couldn't seem to get out of. 
once curiosity slowed things down, it created space for me to see the movement of this vicious cycle, which gave me fresh insight to even consider what a different kind of movement might look like. One where I might invite God to minister to the tired and hurting parts of me rather than throwing them under the bus, not even considering if God longed to tend to them with compassion and care. This is the new kind of movement we'll continue to explore together in this space. This kind of new perspective is so helpful in our spiritual formation because it creates an opportunity to do things differently. It gives us the choice to cultivate new rhythms in our spiritual formation rather than feeling helplessly stuck in old muscle memory. For today, I'm wondering how anything that I've said has resonated with you. Before you jump back into your day, I invite you to see what it's like to take a minute to be curious with the following questions. When you think about how you generally approach yourself, is there an inner critic inside? How loud or subtle is that voice if there is one? And before you might criticize yourself for how you criticize yourself, take a nice deep breath and just notice what pops up as you think about these questions. What are the parts of yourself that you tend to be most judgmental toward? How do you usually view these parts of you? How do you think God views these parts of you? With shame? Compassion? And in what ways does it feel foreign, exciting, or complicated to get curious about these things? In future episodes, we'll lead with curiosity to explore what has shaped the parts of us that we don't like, the parts of us that we view as problems in life and faith, which are really one and the same. We'll slowly untangle the webs of muscle memory that are embedded in the ways our nervous system gets activated and overwhelmed, prompting certain parts of us to seemingly hijack our embodied beings in ways that we view as complicating our lives. Getting curious like this will give us space to consider how we might invite God to tend to these depths of our souls that might otherwise be ignored or scapegoated as the problem, opening the door to see things shift in any way. For today, I hope you take with you a nice deep breath and some curiosity about how curiosity might shift the formation of your soul. Thanks for joining me. Subscribe and follow to catch more episodes. Until next time.